What's going on, everybody? I'm Mara. And I'm Taz. And welcome back to Sisters Who Kill. Tazzy, do you know that this is like one of our most requested episodes? Our players this week are Ronald A. Williams II, also known as Ronnie, the victim. Ha Vu, the sister, she's 24, the victim. Kwong Vu, the brother, 27, victim. Kwok Vu, one of the brothers that's still living. Chow Vu, one of the sisters that's still living. Roger LeCay's her accomplice. Adam Frank Jr., Antoinette's brother, and Antoinette Frank, our murderess. Antoinette was born April 30th, 1971 in Opelousas, Louisiana. She was from a lower middle class family. Her mother, Marianne, left when she was young, and her dad was a Vietnam War vet, so he had like PTSD. He drank alcohol. He was kind of abusive to her, strict, mentally, sexually, and physically abusive. At school, she was described as a quiet loner. They almost said she was, like, invisible and didn't participate. She was so invisible that she was in none of her high school yearbooks. She just happened to miss picture day. Very in the background. But it's also said that from a young age, she always had an interest in being a police officer. Like, she always knew what she wanted to do, and she was going to be a police officer. That's a very, like, Pre-K. Yeah. What a career. You can be a firefighter, a police officer, a doctor. Mm-hmm. But that idea kind of stuck in her head, and, you know, that's what she strived towards. In high school, she got a job working at Walmart, and she was fired for having frequent personality conflicts with her fellow employees. Yeah, she would just start arguing with anyone and everyone. And I don't know if it was just like a would start arguing because she comes across as very insecure, right? And so I feel like maybe somebody might have critiqued something she did. And instead of just listening, she kind of like rebutted like, ah, no. And then it just becomes annoying. Like, damn, you know, somebody who you can't tell nothing. It's always an issue. Yeah. And so then there's your personality conflict. Who can work with somebody who can't take nothing? Can't everything is a fence. Yeah. Everything you gotta tiptoe around her. And we're here to get a job done, sis. And I need you to do it right because if you don't do it right, we all here late. Home life with her dad was definitely very hectic with all the abuse going on. She had to deal with a lot of screaming. Before her mom left, he was physically violent towards her mom. Mm-hmm. He he broke a refrigerator. Like and you have to imagine, like when somebody, even if they don't put their hands on you, when they display that type of strength, you think, it's "Well, what scary. the fuck are you gonna do to me?" You right. know. I, I think he was a um, he was a Vietnam vet, mm-hmm. and he had PTSD, and he just kind of. I only heard this once, but I heard on Black True Crime podcast that she claimed to inherit it, but that is the only time I heard that. I did hear that on there. <laughs> I'm like, but I think they say that because of the abuse. Because of his trauma, he created trauma for her. That makes and more she sense. she has her own PTSD growing up. That makes more sense. Um, he also sexually abused her. That resulted in unwanted pregnancies at the age of nine. 
and when she was in her teens. Her mother collaborated these stories and said that his temper was just so bad and he would just get into such a rage that when he would leave, they'd just be happy. Like, we got a fucking break. Right, because those were, he was getting her pregnant with his babies, her mm-hmm. dad, and then just taking her to get abortions. Mm-hmm. Wild to me. I know a nigga Uh-oh. that purposely shoots, shoots at the club with bitches that consensually and he'll just be like, I just go buy you a plan B. He's like, it's a it's a $55 nut. I'm like, is that what you think? First of all, you can't just keep taking them plan Bs. That's how you really get fucking, you, you won't never need a plan B again. They say this is not birth control. This is emergency contraceptive. Yeah. Despite all that was going on at home, she still was able to graduate high school in 1989 with a 3.5 GPA. She also volunteered as a clerk at the local police station, you know, trying to get that career on track. And she joined the Opelousas Police Department Explorer Program. So let's jump to Antoinette is about 21 years old. And on her 21st birthday, she decides the time is now. I want to be a cop. So she submits her application. She submits her cover letter. Her cover letter is handwritten where she is recommending herself saying that she would be a great cop as far as the exams needed to be a cop she aced them so she started the process of becoming a cop and so this is 1992 and then in august of the same year she's starting this whole process she reports her father missing like he just goes up and miss but this is very alarming because he lives with her it's not just like she got a phone call he's out of state like they're living in the same household, and he's just hasn't shown up, yeah, apparently. He, he was gone for a while in their childhood, and he kind of appeared again. And so he came back. He asked to stay with her and then disappeared again. So mm-hmm. on one hand, it was alarming, and on the other hand, he's done it before. Right. He's missing. She's still doing, going through the process of becoming a cop. On September 1st, 1992... She has to take a psychiatric exam because that is part of the entrance to become a cop, apparently. And the psychiatrist for the New Orleans Police Department, Philip Scuria, said that they did not advise Antoinette being hired as a cop because she is, quote, narcissistic, shallow, superficial, and has antisocial personalities and should not be hired under any circumstances, end quote. I didn't know that those are reasons for you to not be a cop. I feel like the entire like system is filled filled with narcissistic narcissistic people. Well, it didn't stop her from becoming a cop, now did it? No, it sure didn't because even though she did, did the psychiatric exam again and again was recommended to not be a cop, she did her own thing. She said, "You know what? I'm going to be a cop. I don't trust y'all and I am going to get my own psychiatric exam." She did. And at this time, New Orleans, they were having a hard time getting police officers and retaining police officers. And they wanted to get some diversity because they were like, oh, we need to make sure that we can talk to the people on the street. So they were like, oh, a black woman police officer. So she gets her own psychiatric exam that says that she is perfectly capable of being a police officer. And she was officially hired on February 7th, 1993. And she graduated. She did the police academy. She graduated from the police academy in 1993. And she was like the top of her class. I was trying to imagine the police academy. I feel like I could pass it. I'm not going to sit here and hold you for sure. Flying colors. I feel like I could pass that shit for sure. I mean, call me cocky. I'd kill that shit. We should have a day. We should have a festival and people and all the girls will uh, do the police academy shit. 
get to shoot guns and if you really want to get tased you can get tased too <laughs> yeah so she was assigned to the seventh police district in new orleans that's not it <laughs> <laughs> It's more like a nah, you know, like nah, okay, baby. <laughs> I'm like, neither one of you got it. <laughs> a reason why they're so fucking short is because they had all this bad shit going on, and like all these cops are getting arrested for doing these crimes. And it was like they were taking niggas from the street and putting them behind a van, or people with rough backgrounds and giving them a badge, telling them this is how they can turn their life around, and they're not necessarily turning their life around. They're just gaining a bit of power. Yep. Because, you know, they even said, like, Ronnie. They said he grew up and he got into some fights and nothing that would get him in serious trouble. Like, he always had a good enough reason, you know, protecting his brother or whatever. He didn't mm-hmm. just start shit. But they was just like, hey, man, you could be in the front of the police car, not the back of the police car, you know? Turn your life around. So. That's so weird. That's. I mean, I get it. I've definitely been in a situation where. A cop was like, I used to be just like you. You know what I mean? Really? Um, yeah. Of course you have. <laughs> I used to be just like you. But I mean, you know, at some point you can't take shit back, which is true. Yeah. He's like, you better turn it around. It's not too late. And then that's when they go and be an officer. But to I be can a- turn around and be a doctor, a lawyer, all types so, of shit. Uh, a podcast. A podcast. Right. Mm-hmm. Anything. Anything under the sun. Um, so anyways, on November 25th, 1994, 23-year-old Antoinette Frank was responding to a shooting that happened. And so she had to go to the hospital and interview the person that was shot for their investigation. And that is where she met 18-year-old Rogers LaCase. Now, he was shot. And so they had to, what happened? Tell me about your life. Tell me about what could have, who could have done this. And apparently his friend shot him too. Like, it was somebody that he knew. Mm. What goes around comes around. She meets Rogers LaCase. Now, he's 18 years old. He's I'm not that smart. <laughs> My siblings have been telling me that for years. And he's he's not the brightest crayon in the box. He's got about an IQ score of like 71. And he was born August 13th, 1976. He's from New Orleans. And he is the second of three children. I mean, he has a brother, Michael. Brother Michael ended up passing away. And, you know, he was trying to get it by any means necessary. And when they met, Antoinette was kind of like not just feeling sorry for him because he was shot. She was actually like feeling him. And he was kind of like feeling her. And so they start to flirt a little bit. And they, you know, maybe exchange numbers. Now, in the Snapped episode, they're like in the hospital. And she like makes starts making out with him. I don't think it would happen like that. But in real life. But they start flirting and wanting each other so the relationship begins to progress and she starts allowing him to just be there all the time she wants to be with him all the time so when she's even in the cop car she's on patrol and he's in the front seat there was a time where she pulls up to the scene of a crime and she's like hey babe move the car it's wild enough that he's she's got him going on patrols but that you let him drive the police car she was doing whatever she wanted she was fucking in the car i saw one time i was driving from um fayetteville to phoenix city and i saw these two police cars i could tell that there were two cops in each car and they were drinking beer and the next day i came by and it was littered there was beer um 
cans. Cans. <laughs> but that's not the word I'm looking for. Here, um, the box. Even the box. The cardboard box is out there too. Oh wow. And I'm like, y'all always sit there because I do that. I did that route a lot. I was like, y'all always sit here. Y'all literally out here for a drinking. B left litter. Are you kidding me? <sighs> Anyways, Antoinette and this other officer. Some sources say that this was like her superior officer who was training her. Some say they graduated the academy together. So it's a little shaky to say exactly what the dynamics are. But Ronnie, police officers don't get paid that much, especially rookie cops. And so he went and got a job working security at night at this Vietnamese restaurant called Kim An, right? And his wife is pregnant. He's got a son who's like four. And he's like, I need the fucking extra money. I got a baby on the way. So he's just working at this restaurant. And I guess trying to be a friend, he was like, listen, I'm going to need to be home with my baby when they come. So, you know, you might can pick up a couple of shifts at this restaurant where I do. And they worked opposite shifts. So she would relieve him. He would relieve her like that or whatever. Right. And he kind of hooked her up. And this family who owned it, the Vu family, they were so nice to both of them. Yep. Would like feed them for free, which let me tell you. These restaurants don't be feeding y'all for free. Or they'll, like, limit what you what can you do. What you get. Mm-hmm. And they just said, oh, she could eat on or off the clock. They don't let you eat off the clock. So, you know, friendliness. They even got her birthday gift. Like, they just, they said she was kind of like, Antoinette was kind of like an honorary family member. Like, you mm-hmm. know, this is a family-owned business. And if you're part of the business, you're part, part of, of the family. family. That's cute. And Antoinette, you know, she liked this. Her dad is still missing. Her brother in and out a lot down here and got a job now. So she she grew close to the people at the restaurant too. She also liked to do a lot of work around the neighborhood. You know, she, she became a cop to do good things, right? So like she would she was heavy on the interactions with kids and trying to be a role model for the kids. Was and she? they gave her and and this kindness and productivity of her arrest won her the officer of the month award girl from children what was she i think that she won one little award because everyone talked about how bad of a cop she was they did they dragged her they said she was a shitty cop no hear me out they said that she was so bad and she won this little award from a children's area i think that they did not want her on the street so they said go speak at the school and when she spoke at the school the school gave her a little award that she probably kept and they found when they were going through her shit after this story continues to take place so where's the lie (laughs) (laughs) so sure she got the award but let's talk about the lie let's talk about did they i mean sure kids love going and seeing police officers that fuck with you pre-k like i said you don't know that they're pre-k she was reaching out to troubled teens girl that's not what to say she was reaching out to troubled rogers Which brings us to February 4th, 1995. Now, you know, he's still fucking with old shorty. And he decides to go to to a party with these two other guys. One of the guys is named John. The other guy is named Anthony. Roger gets into it with John. And Anthony's like, all right, bro, you got to go. He's like, you need to go ahead and leave the party. So Roger goes ahead and leaves. And he goes about his merry way. The party still happens. And Anthony and John finally end up leaving the party. When they leave the party... And guess who it is? Antoinette Frank in uniform telling them that they need to go ahead and get out the vehicle. They get out the vehicle and guess who they see? Rogers holding a weapon. And so like Anthony, he rushes Rogers, like tries to 
Rogers has a gun, and Anthony's reaction is to run up on him. Rogers has a gun, mm-hmm. and Anthony runs up on him. Correct. I just don't understand why Anthony would run up on Rogers, accompanied by a police officer. He probably he's probably knew that Antoinette was his bitch. So she's still the police. Anthony picks up a semi-automatic gun out the grass. This is like a movie. That's what I'm saying. What the fuck y'all got going on? And how did it go on so long? It's like this open-ass secret. So, they're all fighting. A gun goes off. John runs away. Who's the- John? Oh, John and Anthony? Mm-hmm. Okay. Then, then a civilian officer bystander, because I guess everybody is an officer, but he's a civilian. He's in civilian clothes. He comes over, and he starts trying to break up the fight that's happening, you know, help his fellow officer and Antoinette tells him that like oh don't don't worry about Rogers like don't worry about him he's the good guy they're the bad guys I'm just trying to de-escalate the situation you know I'm just trying to make sure that everything's all right over here you know don't want to actually shoot nobody don't want to do the paperwork <laughs> um, Ain't gonna hurt nobody. to shoot you out but afterwards they they hold him down and they arrest Anthony and they charge him with Attempted murder, armed robbery, resisting arrest. And he's like, I did not do any of this, them. But the charges were eventually dropped. So um, Rogers, on the other hand, because she said he's the good guy. He was never questioned, never arrested, never put into the interrogation room, nothing. Just free to go about his merry way. So around the police department, everybody's like, listen, we see you with this guy. It's rumors at this point. They're not even saying anything to her because they don't really like her like that. But she's openly and knowingly, everybody, it's a known secret that she's got somebody riding in her police car, that she's got somebody moving the cop car. And the person that is doing that is somebody that has been in and out of this, uh, in and out of these doors as not just a civilian, as a criminal. And nobody, not even her superiors, like, I feel like there's just a whole liability, a nigga driving that car. Now, if he direct that shit, who's going to pay for it? Right. So on March 3rd, 1995, Antoinette, she's still she's in uniform or whatever. She is with, we don't know exactly who, but you know, Walmart Ben had cameras. And it was with a young black man with gold teeth. And she tried to buy some bullets, some uh, 9mm bullets. And she goes to Walmart. She claims, she's like, I'm a police officer. Like, I need to buy some bullets she ends up not buying anything i don't know if walmart was just like nah is walmart that strict about selling bullets i don't think so especially in 95 but like also if you're a police officer you don't need i think it's hey Mm -mm. i need bullets it's her coming in in her uniform saying i'm a police officer so sell me bullets it's like because you don't have to be a police officer to buy bullets and if you're a yeah if you're a police officer you got bullets go go down and get some they got plenty of them for you all right so it's march 4th 1995 right antoinette calls the kim on restaurant around like nine o'clock p.m and she's like hey can i work the midnight shift tonight and they're like no ronnie's here so ronnie's gonna work the midnight shift mm-hmm. and She's like, uh, you sure I can't just come in? They're like, no. We don't need you. Right. So she's like, all right. So then she comes in a little after 11 o'clock. She just finished her police shift. She changed her clothes. She picks up Roger, of course, and goes to Kim on. She says, hey, guys, this is me and my nephew. We're about to just uh, go head over and see a movie. Can we get some drinks? And they're like, oh, yeah, sure, you know. She stops right here because the drinks are free. Right. You know what that's like. (laughs) Absolutely. So 
She comes back a little after 1 a.m. She's like, hey, we missed the movie, but can we uh come and get some food? Because she also eats for free, right? Yep. And they're like, we actually are closed right now, but you know, for you, I guess we'll stay open, make you a little something to eat or whatever, right? So she gets to the restaurant and they packed her shit up to go. She sat down and ate it there. After they told her that the restaurant was closed, she sat down and ate. After giving you free food, just where's the courtesy? Where's the consideration? Mm-hmm. Do not be them people who go to a restaurant 5, 10, 15, even 20 minutes before close and want to sit down. Niggas is trying to go home, okay? Sometimes I have a really rough night and I just need it to be there. <sighs> And maybe those times I won't order nothing from the kitchen. I might need to order a drink, but you're going to have to dirty up a glass for me. I'm so sorry. A glass is one thing. And, and, I'll, and, I'll, and I'll watch you clean the floors. You know, I've been there, but I just need this one drink. Niggas be wanting a whole Nachos, meal and extra wet wings. We was trying to shut the kitchen down because if I do that, then we got to start the oven back up. And we was actually hoping to go ahead and clean the oven because that'll put us ahead. Like, be considerate, dude. Order your food on time. Go home and eat. They're sitting there, they're eating their food. It's like six people in this restaurant. It's the Vu kids, right? Chow, Ha, Kwok, and Kwong, right? A waitress named Two, and Officer Williams, Ronnie. And Antoinette, she's kind of like looking around, being kind of suspicious. It's also suspicious that you've been here three times. Like, or you've, you've been here twice at this point, and then you called, and it's just, why are you here? Why are you here? We're closed. It's when she comes in to eat, though, right? That's the only time that Roger got out of the car. So when she came in to get the drinks the first time, you know, she had mentioned me and my nephew were going to do this, but he was in the car. And so when they came to eat, of course, they ate sat him down, so he came inside that time, right? Mm-hmm. So after eating their food, Antoinette and Roger go outside and they talk for a little while. And then she comes back in. She's like, you need me to work Saturday? And Charles like, nope, we got Ronnie on it. And so they both go to the car, Antoinette and Roger, and they drive off, right? Mm-hmm. A little after she left, child realizes that she can't find a key, and she's like, maybe I just misplaced it. She's not going to think too hard about it, right? Time to close up and get out of here, right? Then Antoinette and Roger show up again, and Antoinette kind of comes up to the door, and she's kind of rattling the window and stuff, and Quack is like, Antoinette took that key something ain't right mm-hmm. so she grabs the money she heads to the back and she stuffs the money she was counting the money because they're closing she goes and they only use cash remember or they were just a heavily cash business no no no, no. they apparently they like didn't trust banks so they only use cash because they were counting and they gave ronnie his cut for the night like they paid him in cash too mm-hmm. so that means they would have also paid antoinette in cash mm-hmm. yeah because they didn't trust banks mm-hmm. so she takes the money, she stuffs it in the microwave, right? Because Antoinette is making her way in. So Antoinette comes in and she was like, oh, everybody, I need to talk to you in the kitchen. I need to talk to you in the kitchen. And she gets all the Vu kids in the kitchen or whatever, right? Ronnie's like, what the fuck is going on? So he follows up behind Antoinette like, girl, what are you doing? Bop, bop. Ronnie's dead, right? Mm-hmm. Somebody done shot him in the back of the head, once in the back of the head, once in the spine. But he's out. There's nothing they can do. Chow and her siblings are in the kitchen with Antoinette when it happens. Yeah, they're like, her face is clearly shocked. Like, but then shit changes and it kind of shifts or whatever. And now Antoinette's like, she's looking around the kitchen. She kind of knows where the booze be hiding money. Oh, is it behind 
the wall or is it over here on the counter where the fuck is the money hey kids where the fuck is the money right so like her back turns for a quick second chow and quok run to the freezer right and they hide and they're hoping that their siblings can catch on but by then Antoinette's attention is back towards them and she's like where the fuck is the money tell me where the money is you two and so it's just hi and kwong begging for their lives talked up part about this is she's asking them where the money is microwave was a new hiding spot that only child knew about because she just rushed back there to put the money up yep so she's saying where the fuck is the money like, and they I really don't, don't know. know they don't know where their sister put it right so things are escalating escalating and quack and child are peeking at what's happening through the freezer door like they have it cracked and they're looking at everything's going on and they're like uh, should i should i go give her the money should i stay in here like what the fuck to do what the fuck to do mm-hmm. ha and kwang are on their knees they're begging for their lives they're like please don't kill us and antoinette i guess she's fed up she shoots ha in the head three times so then she turns around and she pistol whips quat right and she shoots him and she's like where's the money where's the money but because he had like fight in him and he was like still screaming and so mm-hmm. she just kept shooting him and ends up shooting him seven times yep i guess until he stopped screaming and stopped responding but just every time where's the money Pah. there is no mention that the money was ever found no they right? didn't find it good hiding spot i mean not the best hiding spot but good quick fast thinking mm-hmm. so antoinette and roger leave right and Quack and Child are still in the freezer, and they're like, somebody's got to run and call for help, right? So Quack is like, I'm the older brother. I'll do it, right? Mm-hmm. So he runs to the nearest neighbor's house. It's like 2 a.m., and he's like, got to call 911. You got to you gotta help. My family's been attacked, right? Mm-hmm. Ha says she just sat in that freezer. She says, I don't know how much time passed. Somewhere between 20 minutes to an hour, she sat there just wondering if it was safe to come out, wondering if somebody has gotten quack, he hasn't returned yet, none mm-hmm. of this, right? What a scary-ass position to be in. She comes out, she sees her siblings dead on the floor. It's like you can tell that they were in, like, kneeled prayer position and mm-hmm. their body's just falling over. Yeah. And she's, like, trying to run out the store, and she's met by Antoinette. <sighs> you talk about a hard fucking night. She's running out the store, running away from Antoinette, and a police car pulls up and she's like, thank fucking God, right? So Antoinette comes outside and she's like, whew, glad you guys are here. It's bad in there. <laughs> They're like, oh, Antoinette, you know, they recognize her from the station. They was like, good, there's a cop on scene. We got a reliable source. Tell us what's what. She said, it's bad, okay? First, she says, pulling up to pick up my order and I was in the car. And I saw it go down from outside, but I don't know what happened. They're looking at child, and they're like, hey, what happened? You know, what's going on? What's going on? We need to talk to you. Antoinette's like, uh, maybe we should just, you know, I should stay close to her. I know the family, yada, yada. It'll be okay. We just, she's not speaking any English, so we'll just give you my account of things. Right. Like, she's so frustrated that she's not speaking English at all. She just just lost it. Can't Can't figure it out. Yeah. And so... Antoinette's fabricating the story, which I think is wild, as if Chow was not there the whole time. And it's telling this lie in front of Chow, right? And aren't you supposed to have, like, a uh, translator on scene? I don't think they knew. And she spoke English. It's not like a translator was needed. Well, it was if she wasn't speaking English at the time. Well, they took her to the station to get one, but then she ended up... They're like, okay, well, at least we have Antoinette here to give us this version of the story while we wait, you know, probably for a translator to come. And 
She's just like, yeah, this is probably what happened. And then all of a sudden, child starts speaking English. And she says, you were there. Like, what you mean? You telling these people you in a car? You were there, bitch. You know exactly what happened. Antoine, I talk about some child. Do you think you can tell them what happened? How about you tell them what the fuck happened? They're like, oh, shit. This bitch speak English. Mm-hmm. They're like, okay, well, what else happened? She said, Antoinette did this. They said, what's that? Antoinette's a police officer. There's no way a police officer does murder. And she's like, no, she did this. And he's like, no, no, no. There's an officer dead on scene. No way. This will happen to one of our brothers in blue from our sister in blue. I guess. All right. So they're like, okay, at this point, they're finding it hard to believe or whatever. And then they start poking into Antoinette's story. And they're like, Antoinette, if you were here and you were outside and you saw the commotion going on, why you ain't trying to stop it? You talking about you seen the the person go in there? She's because she told them, I saw three masked men go in and rob the store. Uh, that's when Chow was like, No, you didn't. There's a lot of words that are different in different languages, but one word is the same. No. no. <laughs> <laughs> so they're like, If you saw them go in there, why didn't you do anything? And she's like, uh, And it was like, And even if you didn't want to go in by yourself, why you ain't radio us? And she's like, uh, And it was like, if you would have put a 1080, that means an officer down because you know that Ronnie worked there. So why wouldn't you put a 1080 over the radio? Uh, and you got your weapon. Why wouldn't you? Uh, she don't got no answers. And she was like, hold on, hold on. I just remembered. <laughs> I was inside the restaurant. Okay. Absolutely. She was like, my bad. I forgot that part. I actually was inside the restaurant and I didn't, you know, I couldn't help because I was trying to save a family. I brought everybody into the kitchen to protect them as that shit popped off right all of a sudden that's a big switch you know i don't understand how you a police officer got so confused that you forgot that you were inside when the robbery slash murder took place as opposed to outside like you forgot you saw people get killed as she's telling the second story the police you know they're gonna poke around a little bit and what she tells them is she brought the family through the back door and was trying to save them this way and the officer interrogating her is like, so here's the thing. I actually looked at the crime scene, and I know that the back door was locked. So how is that the door that you escorted them through? So again, her story not making sense, right? Stuck. So then the next morning, they get to Roger because the boobs are like, she was with this man. I got all in his mouth, and... They've been hanging out a lot. He was at the restaurant before then. Like, it was two people who was in there. It was him, right? So they go and they talk to him. Now, Snap says that they arrested him. When they showed up to arrest him, he was wearing nothing but silk boxers. And they was like, where the fuck are your clothes from the day before? Where are the clothes you committed the murder in? Now, let his mama tell it. The clothes that he was wearing that day is still a clean white shirt and clean pants. Right, because this is what Roger says. He says that... On March 5th, they did hang out. Mm -hmm. They did go get some drinks. And they went back and got some food. But after that, he got dropped off at his girlfriend. And I can only assume slash baby mama house. Which, you fucking with, y'all fucking with each other. But she already know that he got a baby. Uh, he at least got one kid on the way. One kid he's never met outside of prison. Because it was in the womb when he was charged. So, I can only assume this is this. And that's why I feel like maybe they're not lovers. Maybe they were just close and fucked around. Maybe it was one-sided. And he was a dog, he's a dog, he's a dog, he's a dog. Possibly. 
Possibly, but it, but she still dropped him off at his girlfriend's house. Mm-hmm. And after the, being dropped off about midnight 20, so 12, 20 a.m., um, he was like, that's the last time I saw her. He was like, after that, my brother came and picked me up at about 12.30 and we went to go play pool. We went to local pool hall or whatever. And we were there until 2 a.m. He was like, um, my hangout, they know me there. Back home at 2 a.m. And around 4, 4.30 in the morning, police are already there being like, hey, what's up? Come on down here with us. And he says, listen, I did not go in there that third time. I knew nothing about the killings. At some point, he confesses. Now, he says later on, he was he confessed because he was coerced. He was getting his ass beat by the police officers. Ronnie, Ronnie Williams, that the officer that was killed, that's a white man too. So he says that they were beating his ass and that's why he ended up confessing to the crime. But he says that he was never there. He's arrested. Antoinette's arrested. And everybody gets ready to go to trial. Take that shit to trial, bitch. Take that shit to trial. Antoinette Frank was indicted by the New Orleans Parish Grand Jury on April 28th, 1995. Um, Her trial was separated from Rogers. Um, When Rogers was at trial, Rogers said, listen, I am innocent. I didn't do anything. As a matter of fact, who actually was there is Adam Jr. Adam Jr. is Antoinette's brother. And he's like, that is actually who is the person that pulled the trigger that was the other gunman. Because what had happened was they were in there. I don't know if Adam Jr. was cutting a fool. I don't know what Adam Jr. was doing in there. But Ronnie ended up kicking Adam Jr. out of the restaurant and escorted him out. Antoinette said, you tell Ronnie that if he messes with my brother, he messes with me and I'll take him out. And and he was like, you know, Antoinette was always like, man, Ronnie gonna stop fucking with me. Ronnie gonna stop fucking with me. And he was trying to say Adam Jr. was kicked out. And that's why he would have come back with Antoinette to take a, off this crime. Now, Chow and Kwok positively identified Roger out of a lineup, but talked about this case with multiple people. And niggas are all just the across the board consensus is that Vietnamese folks think that all black folks look alike. I think it's, um, I heard that it's when you're outside of your race and you're not when you don't see them too often or know them personally, it's hard for you to identify those characteristics. Like us over here, we can see Asian people and not know what country they come from, whereas they can look at each other's cheekbones and stuff and be like, oh, you're Vietnamese, you're Korean, you're Chinese. Even by the name, like Japanese names have more syllables mm-hmm. and are longer and just little differences like that that we don't pick up because we're not into the culture you know or inserted in that environment right so he was arguing that that's why they identified him instead of somebody else also they were talking about the goals in his mouth and i just want to like it's 95 in new orleans all these niggas got goals in their mouth true but how many niggas was antoinette constantly see with with gold in their mouth i feel like her brother and her nigga are both two people that you would be seen with often. But we don't know that her brother had gold in his mouth. We only know that Roger had gold in his mouth. I believe we do know this. Let's (laughs) keep going. (laughs) Okay, so at the trial, her defense subpoenaed 39 witnesses, but they weren't able to, like, call up one to actually testify. She confessed to being there, but she said... That it was Roger's fault. Like she's like, yeah, that fir- the first shots, that was him, and then I was kind of stuck. Now, when Roger says that he wasn't there, he also has his brother testify in court as an alibi. 
his brother testifies, says, you know, I was with him that entire night. Uh, I dropped him off at about 2 a.m. We went to the pool hall, but they also have the a person, I don't know if it was an employee, maybe the bartender from the pool hall come, and he was like, I didn't recognize him. I haven't seen him. He wasn't there that night. Yeah, so the story couldn't get corroborated. Right. And after all of that happened, and he says that Adam did it, and there was no physical evidence to place him at the scene of the crime. And I know that physical evidence, like, we know that you can be at the scene of a crime and no physical evidence is actually there. And sometimes it is because you're sneaky, sneaky. And sometimes it's really just because of the circumstances that you just happen to not get any there. I don't know. But there wasn't any physical evidence presented from the prosecution that linked Rogers actually to the scene of the crime. So he was still saying, there, I was not there. It was not me. It was Adam Jr. He goes to trial. He gets convicted. He ends up getting charged guilty of three counts of first-degree murder and is sentenced to death. Now it's time for Antoinette to go to trial. So I heard that when Rogers was in prison after his trial, somehow he got a note from Antoinette, which that seems sketchy, got a note from Antoinette saying, maintain your innocence. May God be with you or some bullshit like that, but basically telling him to maintain his innocence because he kept saying that he was innocent. He was innocent. He was on. He. How she gonna write him a note saying maintain your innocence while it, she on trial talking about it was him? He forced me to do it. She's twisted. She's fucking twisted. So at her trial, she doesn't even testify. He testified at his trial, but I, I think he's one of those cases where getting on the stand actually hurt him instead of helping him. But she she does not take the stand in her own defense. Um, she confessed to being there, but she says like we said, she says it's Roger's fault, and she was like, if I didn't shoot them he was gonna shoot me so i had no choice now the state also calls in the psychiatrist that failed her two times before entering the police academy and the, he was like listen i said that she shouldn't be a cop because she's got impulse control issues she's got she's a narcissist she kind of fakes good and she tries to present herself to be more qualified than she actually is so basically she's a fake a fraud a phony. And how. Somebody got so happy that I did that. And I was like, oh, thank Was you. that the right line? Yeah. You were there. You are there. They they had everybody testify. Like, like, of course, the officers that were on the scene, the officers that she worked with, Irvin, who was the guy that broke up the civilian officer that broke up the fights. A lot of officers were going on here. And they also called on uh, Mary Williams, which was Ronnie's wife. She got on the stand. She told about him and all of that. And also the Voof the Vu family's mother. Oh, I know. I know. I know. Uh, you just sent your kids to work and something you built for them. Ugh. <sighs> I know. And the defense tried to get people to come, but I guess niggas was still just not fucking showing up. And, but her mother's aunt, not even her mama, not her aunt, but her mother's aunt, uh, Mabel Genesis, she got on the stand and she said that, you know, Antoinette was a good kid that she didn't get in any trouble, which I mean, yes, she was quiet, but they're quiet people still are capable of doing anything and everything. They also tried to say that she was traumatized. She had a hard childhood. They were trying to, you know, make the jury feel for her. The trial ended on September 12th, 1995, and the jury went out and they were only out for 22 minutes. And then they came back in and they were like, yeah, she's guilty. Yeah. No, they took 90 for Roger. They took 45 for her uh, death sentence. Yeah. So they were like, yeah, she's guilty. I feel like they didn't even do nothing. They were like, can we have some hot tea? 
let's have tea real quick and tell them that we she she gotta get her out of here. I felt like the fact that she was an officer, they didn't have any sympathy for her. Like you are supposed to uphold and protect the law, and you did the complete opposite, which I find very interesting because when it happens in the reverse situation, and a black person is killed, and the white people are supposed to uphold and protect the law, they get away with it. But they didn't kill another officer. It's not about the Vu family. It's about Ronnie. And that's the sad that, truth. Do you mean it opposite? No. I think that's why the police officers cared so much about this story. That, yeah, that's the point that I'm making. That's, what I'm, that's the sad So I'm saying that's the sad truth. I think the Vu family definitely made it worse and more gruesome. It's like, okay, not only did you kill an officer, but you also killed civilians. But she killed an officer, and that's the bottom line. And that's right what there. they care. And that is all that they care about. Like, that is only reason in this case got so much attention. After they took about 45 minutes, they went back after a couple of days and they went back and they decided in about 45 minutes, they were like, yeah, she's going to have to actually go by lethal injection. We're going to sentence her to death because she was sent to death row and Louisiana Institute for Women in St. Gabriel, Louisiana, near Baton Rouge. I want, Baton somebody, I want, I want somebody from Baton Rouge to say that because I love their accent. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. New Orleans people got the best accent. Woo, sure do. Of course, Antoinette filed for multiple appeals. And they just weren't going through pretty well. October 18, 2006, lawyers argued that her death sentence should be overturned because she was denied state-funded experts to help her prepare for the sentencing phase of her trial. Are they supposed to prepare for both? Are they supposed to have somebody for both? I know you have to have somebody for the actual trial, but the sentencing phase? I would hope so. Shit. It's a very important part. Or she argued that the defense should have investigated her background for possible mitigating evidence and, you know, reflect heavier on her childhood and her PTSD and how that might have affected the situation. A psychiatrist disagreed and they was like, she doesn't really show symptoms of trauma. He said that, again, she more showed narcissistic personality disorder and had antisocial tendencies and on May 22nd, 2007, they ruled that the death penalty should be upheld. So then on April 22nd, 2008, the judge on the case, Frank Marullo, signed a death warrant for her to get her executed. Now, Judge Marullo's kind of like a, it's a fishy case because... Ooh, I'm glad you're getting into it because that was where I was going next. Go ahead. He's a fishy case yeah, because he... The gun that they believe was used, that scratched off gun, mm-hmm. was checked out of evidence locker, right? Yes. The judge who signed off on her to be able to check it out was Judge Frank Marullo, mm-hmm. who also provi- presided over her case. And Roger's case. And Roger's case. And is also the one who keeps denying her appeals. Seems like he's got his hands in too many baskets, right? He signs her death warrant. And he says she's set to die July 15, 2008. So in May 2008, the Supreme Court issues a 90-day stay of execution pending the ongoing appeals that she has. Mm -hmm. So September 11, 2008, this was the same day her execution was scheduled or her stay of execution was scheduled to end. A new death row warrant is signed by the same judge, Frank Merlo, right? He's like, nah, this bitch is not getting out. If I have anything to do with it, she's not Not happening. She was scheduled again to die by lethal injection on December 8, 2008. Her lawyers argued no appeals, saying that they didn't have enough time to review everything. So they waited for two months, and the Supreme Court voided the second death warrant. A year later, in September 2009, 
Antoinette's lawyers moved to have Judge Marullo removed from the case because it was like, okay, you're biased. You've already signed two death warrants against us. You're not willing to give us a chance. And you're already funkily involved in this case anyways. We just want you gone, right? Right. They're like, take them off the case. They are denied again. But eventually, the judge ends up retiring, and she ends up having to be assigned a new judge. And so now she's working on a different appeal. And she's currently the only woman sitting in Louisiana's death row. Yep, she sure is. Now, Rogers is still out here saying that he's absolutely innocent. Like, he's on, like... She uh, said maintain it, huh? He, She told him, and he's doing that. But he actually has, like, a little bit of backup now. He's saying... He's still upholding the whole I went to the bar with my brother type of deal, and I was at the pool hall. The gun that was checked out of evidence, it, it popped up. And it popped up in a very interesting place. It popped up with Adam Jr., and not only did it pop up with Adam Jr. Now, when the gun... Okay, listen up. Pay attention. <laughs> Pay attention. The gun's serial number was BER137257Z. Now, when they found said gun, after the trial was said and done, the serial number was partially scratched off. And it was ber one something 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 five seven z So they're like... You found, we can't say 100% that it's the murder weapon, but let's say that we found the murder weapon on her brother, which I told y'all, I told y'all at trial that it was him, that he did it. And it was not me that was there. I was going to say, he got you convinced. (laughs) And also, um, before all this happened, the police came to her home looking, having a warrant for her brother's arrest. And all of this stuff was kind of withheld from Rogers when he was getting ready for trial. So now he's like, you should just throw the entire thing out. But he's truly actively fighting to uphold his innocence. Now, whether he is or isn't, that's for y'all to decide. But he says that it was not him, that it was actually Adams. She blamed him, but it's that sneaky fucking note saying, maintain your innocence. But you, yeah. Anyways... Antoinette is sentenced to death. She's, you talked about all the appeals, but something interesting happened like a week after she was sentenced, initially sentenced. Oh, yeah. Um, you know, they got to go search a home. They got to go get shit. Um, the canines, a, a dog, was sniffing around and led police in her home down to where she, where there was a human skull with a bullet hole in the back of the head buried underneath her house. The remains were so badly decomposed, like it was just... And they still haven't identified it. But everybody is now saying that maybe it's her dad that went missing. And one reason that they're saying that is because Rogers is like, listen, this bitch is crazy. I did not do it. She's so crazy that she killed her dad and buried him underneath. So this, he led them to that. She was never charged for the skull. They never really investigated it. It was just, I guess they decided not to do anything because she's already charged with one murder that they can 100% or at their best 100% prove. So one of the one of the saddest parts of this story is the ending. The Vu family, they kept the restaurant open at that site for almost 10 years, 10 more years. Mm-hmm. And then Hurricane Katrina happened. And then after Hurricane Katrina, you know, there was a whole bunch of looters. You know, everybody was getting whatever they got. Somebody came in and stole the jewelry that Ha and Kwong were wearing when they were murdered. Mm. And so the family was like, fuck it. They took our last little piece of them. Yeah, like just, they ended up moving away and they op- reopened the restaurant and they were just trying to find a place that was just safer, just safer all around. That's crazy. That's so sad. Just disrupt the niggas' peace. I'm just trying to make, I'm just trying to make an honest living just like the rest of y'all. You know what I mean? 
I was nice and kind. You had nothing but good things to say about me. And you destroyed my family. I hate to see what you do to your enemies. Mm. This week's episode is brought to you by Benford Financial. Listen, all jokes aside, I do not know where Taz and I would be if we had never met Nicole. Listen, she has helped us so much in the financial department. Nicole is all about helping small businesses, especially small businesses ran by folks like us. Her goal is to help each of y'all have a strategic plan when it comes to your financials. If you had a good season or a bad season, you have someone who will be there to help keep your business open and thriving. So if you're a small business owner that needs help really learning your expenses, you want clarity on where your money is going and flowing in and out and why, she is going to optimize your accounting process because, listen, once your business starts taking off, you don't even realize how hard accounting is until you try to do it yourself. So this person, listen, Nicole is going to get you right, okay? While Taz and I have been growing Sisters Who Kill, we have leaned on Nicole so much to just keep our heads afloat and make sure that when it comes to our business, that Everything is right in order because there are three things I don't play with, okay, honey? It is the I, the R, and the S. And Nicole's going to make sure that we stay out of prison. So she has a five-star review from us over here at Sisters Who Kill. So check her out at BenfordFinancial.com. That's Ben, like, it's all about the Benjamins, baby. And Ford, as in the man who made the standard work week that you are breaking free of by owning your thriving business with Nicole's help. BenfordFinancial.com. Learn more about her and her business in the description box below. Enjoy the show. If you're listening to this, you probably already know what I'm about to say, that today is the day for you to start your podcast. You have everything that you need, your computer, a little microphone, and Spotify for podcasters. It is the all-in-one platform where you can host, edit, and record your podcast and distribute it everywhere. Where you're listening right now, you can have your podcast there. I promise, for real. And it's free. And you can make some money off of your podcast for free. Free money. Free money is out there. Just go get it by starting your podcast today. Streaming October 6th on Paramount+. Plus. First place I learned about death was a pet cemetery. Dead things buried in that land. But come back. There's something else. Something's wrong with Timmy. He needs time to adjust. That's not Timmy. Something's talking through him. Sometimes dead is better. Pet Cemetery Bloodlines Rated R streaming only on Paramount Plus. All right, y'all. It's time for. Well, I'm not black. I'm OJ. I didn't do it, but if I did, this is how I would have got away with it. I do it, but if I did, I'll change a couple of things. First of all, we have options here. I think she should have came in with a backup plan for if shit went awry. I don't feel like she knew it was about to turn into a murder situation because, again, they said her face was shocked when the guns popped off. From there, I'm either trying to get him to shoot if they have to die. And if they don't, there, there shouldn't have been any survivors. She, she, oh, there at one point she was quoted saying to, um, Roger said that he said that she was like, one of those bitches got away when he told, when she told him about what happened told him about what happened right heavy air quotes uh-uh but um yeah no survivors because now you have eyewitnesses but even before that why are you so pressed to do the robbery that night you, you were going to be back times. on schedule some point i don't know if he just always has the drop night 
But y'all get cash every day. You know what I mean? It's not like y'all doing drops to the bank. Y'all are cash business. Y'all get cash every day. Why not just wait till you on shift and do it like that? You could have had much more control over the situation. Wouldn't have been no officer dead because you would have been the officer there. I think she was just pissed off and trying to have revenge because he kicked her brother out. And I, I, I get, no, I don't get that. I, it sounds like bullshit. And if he kicked the brother out, that is a reason for the brother to come back in and be the one that you're convinced pulled the that trigger. It was the brother. I'm not convinced either way, but if you would have t- asked me last week if Roger did it 100%, I said 100% send him down. But after looking at it a little bit more, I am like, hmm, food for thought. Can't find a picture of a brother to confirm if he has gold teeth in his mouth to fit the description. All them Bro- niggas had gold teeth in their mouth. <laughs> what Wayne album was out in 95? He was still part of What's Your Face then. He wasn't Lil Wayne. Maybe we need to go back. Maybe we need to look more Master P. Damn, Romeo looked just like that nigga. And I didn't see it till just now. Wow, he really does. I ain't see it till just fucking now. I feel like everybody's wearing gold in their mouth. But Master P for damn sure was. Yep, and he was setting the trends at the time, so. So I don't know. I'm not 100% convinced. I'm not going to sit here and hold you. I think she could have just switched the robbery to a different day where she was working. I do think it was Rogers, though. I am convinced. I felt like what nobody think about her brother until Rogers threw his name in there. And Rogers trying to get heat off of his back. Her brother was already living a life of crime. Yes, but her brother was supposed to be in jail the time that it happened. And they weren't looking at her brother as a suspect because his alibi was fucking jail. Well, we need to figure out these timelines because there was a time when her brother was in jail and he escaped. And he was on the loose for like a month. Oh, no, that was afterwards. Because when they found him, that's when they found the uh, gun with the sawed off um, serial number. I definitely think he got Rogers probably could have got away with some reasonable doubt. I think, though, if Antoinette would have played it right, she maybe could have got felony murder, right? Like, of course, you're doing your armed robbery. You're going to do your time for that, right? With Ronnie dying and then shit flipping. She showed him, I like, been like multiple times. Sh- I'd have been like, he made me do it right. She should have chilled on that. She should have been more, um, but I guess she didn't realize they were there watching her. Uh, parole or no parole? Mm-hmm. Hell no. Hell I no. I don't have any information on what she's doing these days, except for trying to free herself. So I cannot, I have no reason to parole her. Mm-hmm. Correct. No parole. Okay, that's the end of our show. Wanna read some reviews? Yep. This one's from Sexiest Grandmother. Oh. She says, well, one of the greats. This podcast is an all-time favorite. I'm hooked. The chemistry between you guys is amazing. It's like catching up with your bestie. It just flows. I appreciate this podcast. Taz is hilarious. <laughs> Thank you. This one says, dope. This podcast is fire, and I love hearing y'all while I'm working. And keep up the little singing you do on here every now and then. Keep killing them. Um, somebody they got they were like Mariah didn't sing last week. I was like so sorry, so sorry. What's wrong with you? <laughs> Are you okay? Like get over it. Um, all right, y'all. That's really the end of the show. 
If you want to connect with us, you can send us your very own, I didn't do it, but if I did, this is how I would have got away with it, on anchor.fm, or if you're a little long-winded, not too long-winded, just a little long-winded, you can email it to us at sisterswhokillpodcast at gmail.com. You can also email us if you want ad space. You can follow us on Instagram at sisterswhokillpod. Follow us on Twitter at sisterswhokill. Follow us on TikTok at sisterswhokillpodcast, or you can join the discussion group. All right, friend, do you have anything else? Talk to us. We talk back. Bye. Now, if you made it to the end of this story, stay tuned to hear a very special what happened to Mara this weekend. Okay, so on Sunday, I go to Applebee's after church. Is this like a tradition or you just went this Sunday? Just went this Sunday. We usually go for drinks. So we'll probably go. We go to the cheap places. So, <laughs> so, so the Applebee's. Church then like, drinks. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, <laughs> that's funny. So, <laughs> we go, we're chilling. And, no, uh, we go and there's one, two, three, four. There's like 10 police cars. At the Applebee's, one of the entrances are blocked off. We're like, can we get through the other way? So we go in. There's all these police cars. We see a woman out there. We see a nigga out there. We we're like, okay, what's going on? And so we we sit down, and the guy comes. He's about to take our order or whatever. And this white old white couple was like, the waiter was like, oh, you left your coat over here. And I guess they moved booths. And he, she was like, oh, I was so scared. I just knew there was going to be a shootout. So we were like, the shootout? <laughs> Is that why there's so many? What happened? And so the waiter comes. We're like, okay, tell us what happened. What, what What's going on? And the waiter was like, oh my gosh. <laughs> so I'm in here working. Like, I'm just trying to do my job. <laughs> and this girl comes in to get her pickup order. And we're talking. We're kicking. And I guess she goes outside and her boyfriend thinks that we were in here flirting. I'm gay. Yeah. I was like, I got that from when you started telling the story. It was like, so he started beating up on her. Like he started coming at her. And so then she pulled out a gun and fired two fires, two warning shots in the air. I said, oh my God. The fact that you got two shots and I wonder if it was like a pop pop or if it was a that's one. Nigga, that's two. You know, it has to be a pop pop. Like, no way, no way. Um, so she got arrested. They took her gun. She got arrested, and he was out there, you know, talking to the police. Our waiter was like, "Yeah, I had to go out there and talk, give my statement, and all that stuff." I'm just trying to, I'm just trying to do my job. <laughs>